Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. We are in a series about lies, the lies of relationships. What, what am I believing? What am I living? What am I telling myself? We said that the native language of hell is a lie. The native language of heaven's the truth. I want to give you the truth of God's word today. And I want to help you walk in freedom and in truth and out of the lie of sexual sin. So a couple of weeks ago, if you weren't here, I'll catch you up very quickly. Uh, the first lie that we looked at uh, a couple of weeks ago was that I don't need anybody else. I can do this all by myself. I don't need nobody. I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good right here in my house with mine. And, you know, we don't hurt nobody. Nobody hurts us. Nobody bothers us. And... I'm good. I'm saved. It's not that. I just, I don't want to be with people. And the last two years, honestly, sort of reinforced this uh, idea that you don't need anybody else, but you can be safe and still need people. Say amen to that. I need people. I'm not good alone. I'm, I'm not good by myself, we said. And then last week, uh, the lie that we exposed last week was that, that you can fix somebody else. I can't fix anybody. You can't fix anybody. Uh, you're not meant to fix anybody because you're not God. That's a revelation. If you, did, if you didn't hear last week, that's the big idea. Just You can go to sleep now. You can just need to write at the top of your notes, I'm not God. Then you can nod off for the next 35 minutes. And, and that's enough for you to live your life in a way that you don't have to fix somebody. All you, all you do have to do is work on you and let God fix them. I'm going to get me right. I'm going to get right in my life. And then God's going to take care of them. Here's the lie today. Write this down. Uh, As we open God's word about sexual purity and immorality, I want you to write it down like this. The lie the enemy sells is, it doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't hurt anyone. What I'm doing, what I'm looking at, what I'm involved in, what, what... what what I what you know what we've decided to do in our relationship it doesn't hurt anybody. I mean it may hurt me, but I mean nobody else is really hurt by this, or no, no, nobody else is really you know this is it, it it just honestly this is benign, or we're married, or it's okay because we've been together a long time, or or or, or th- th- it's just mild, or th- it's not really that bad. It doesn't really hurt any. Body. It's the lie of the enemy that sexual sin doesn't hurt anybody else. As a matter of fact, the Bible would say it like this, that there are certain sins in your life, sexual sins in nature, that they don't, you're not just sinning against God. The Bible actually says you're sinning against your own body. That, that there's some stuff you bear in your own soul and in your own body. In other words, let me say it like this. There are some things you can get involved in that don't just hurt God. It's not just a sin against God. It's a scar you'll carry the rest of your life with you. It's, I'm not talking about something that happened to you. I'm not talking about you being a victim of something. I'm talking about something you've willingly engaged in that if you're not careful, you'll carry it around as an emotional, sometimes physical, a spiritual, a mental scar because God did not design sex to be just with anybody at any time and any gratification. He didn't design you that whatever feels good, that's what we do. No, He designed you and I to live inside some boundaries and in those boundaries, everything God gives me is good. Say amen to that. Amen. Can you, can we say, ever, you just want to say sex real quick, that way everybody can take a deep breath? Sex, 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 sex. Is that all right? It's like talking about money. You know what I mean? Money, 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 money. Everybody just, 
I want you to get comfortable because uh, somebody asked me, uh, is, this, is this appropriate for, you know, whatever age? And I, here's what I want to tell you. God's word's appropriate for every age. Matter of fact, I think we ought to talk about it a whole lot quicker. Let me tell you why. The lies of sexual sin, of lust, of pornography, of sex outside of marriage, it's for everybody. Everybody needs to hear the message of God's word. Now listen, doesn't matter what your relationship status is today. If you're single, if you're married, if you're dating, if you're engaged, if you're single again, if you're divorced, if you're a widow or a widower, everybody, men, women in the room today, everybody, the biggest battle you fight is the battle in your mind. It's the biggest battle I fight. The, the, the old preacher used to say that uh, all of my issues are between my ears. Come on, somebody. <laughs> all of my issues. I mean, I, I act like they're in my heart. I pretend like, oh, no, this is just, no. Susie, they're usually, they usually start in my head. And I got news for you. You have a spiritual enemy. And if you've never heard anybody tell you about the devil, let me warn you. You have a spiritual enemy who knows if you're a believer, he can't destroy you. So he has another plan for you. And it's to distract you. It's to discourage you. And it's to dishearten you to the point that you give up. Are you with me? Because, write it down like this, a distracted, discouraged, and disheartened Christian is always a dangerous Christian. A distracted, a, 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 a Christian whose eyes are always distracted by other things, not on mission, not on the vision of God for their lives, not on the purpose of God for their life, becomes a discouraged Christian. He can't destroy you, so I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just get you feeling bad about yourself. I'll get you tangled up in guilt and shame so much that you'll just, I don't have to, I don't have to put stumbling blocks in your path. I just have to get you so discouraged, you'll just sit down all by yourself. And when you get so distracted and you get so discouraged, it becomes disheartening. Where you start thinking, well, I can't ever get back to where I should be. I can't ever please God again with my life. I, I, I've made too many mistakes. We've gone too far. I've done too much. And now you get in this dangerous position of not, it's, it's not about somebody else pushing you out. It's about you deciding, I just, I can't be around God. I can't be around God's people. I've done too much. I've been too far. And the devil wins. Are you with me, everybody? Let me, let me teach it to you like this. The Bible said that no man can pluck you out of the Father's hands. When Jesus puts you in the Father's hands, that's where you are. As a matter of fact, Revelation says he, he tattoos your name on the palm of his hand and the inner of his thigh. Just for everybody who thinks God doesn't like tattoos. He, he, he tattoos your name. He, your name, when you get to heaven, you're going to find your name in the palm of his hand and on his thigh. But listen to me. The Bible says no man can pluck you out of there. It didn't say you can't jump. And distraction and discouragement and disheartening is what the enemy wants you to get to, to where you decide, nobody pushed me out of here. I just, I just can't be around. I just don't want to be around God's people. I, the most worried I get as a pastor is not when people fall into sin. It's when people fall out of relationship. 
Because when you can't be around God's people and God's presence, what I know is happening is the devil's tapping you on the shoulder and going, Hey, I know what you did. I know who you, I, I know who you really are. I know what you thought. I know what you looked at. I know what you're involved in. I know. And so you start willingly moving yourself away from the presence of God. Somebody asked me, Pastor, are you going to let them come to church here? Look at me. I'm going to let everybody come to church here. This is the only hope we have is the presence of God, the people of God, the power of God to get... Anybody can come and receive help and salvation and hope. Are you with me, everybody? You get distracted and you get discouraged and you get disheartened and it's a dangerous place for your spiritual life. Have you ever been there, anybody but me? I've been there. You'll start thinking in ways that you never would have thought of before. And the way that you think makes you act in ways that you never would have acted in before. And then you, you never would expect to be in the state that you're in, but it started with a distraction and a discouragement in your mind. I, I want to talk about sexual purity today. I want to talk about holiness and purity to God. Now, I don't want you to hear those words like uh, a, a legalistic or a, here's a list of rules or here's what I can or I can't do. I want you to hear bathed in grace and hope and love today. But I do want you to hear that there's an equal part to this, to the gospel. The Bible said Jesus came full of grace and Truth, there's an equal part to the gospel. It's full of grace, but it's confrontational in truth. I want you to hear the truth of God's word today in all of the grace that I can give you. Our culture is inundated with sex. As a matter of fact, I think it's the sin of our generation. I'll be completely honest with you. I think it's the over-sexualization of our culture is the sin of our generation and we cannot afford to be silent and stupid about sexuality in the church. Did you hear me? We cannot afford to be silent and stupid about it. I have a 7-year-old and a 10-year-old who only have access to very strict parental controls in how they consume media and just the other day I saw in very strict controlled media consumption in my home. There the way that the enemy had worked its way in there were sexual suggestive things that that showed up in between commercials that they were and I'm thinking to myself Mike how did we get here? It's because our culture is inundated with it. It's cuz the devil is cunning and he's trying to get my little babies distracted and discouraged and disheartened and that's why we cannot allow the world to define some that God created. I'm going to preach it whether you amen it or not. We cannot allow culture and the enemy and the world to define something that God has created for us. Our society has gone crazy sexually. It's gone wild sexually. And we have cast off all restraint and it's coming after Believers, And there are people in this room, if you were honest with yourself like God knows you, it's come after you at some point in your life. It may be where you're currently living. I was reading uh, some statistics for this message as I prepared it and bathed it in prayer. According to a national survey on porn consumption since the pandemic began, in the United States alone, 84% of teenage boys... And 57% of teenage girls have reported they have viewed pornography in the past two years. 84% of teenage boys. 
8 out of 10 in the last two years have viewed pornography. 60% almost of teenage girls since the pandemic began. According to data from the SEM Rush Traffic Analytics Tool that tracks the analytics of all web traffic uh, outside of the dark web, as of May 2021, one year into the pandemic, pornography sites have received more website traffic in the United States than Twitter, Instagram, Netflix, Pinterest, and LinkedIn combined. Did you hear me? In May 20, just in May 2021, pornography has received more traffic than Twitter, Instagram, Netflix, Pinterest, LinkedIn combined. And you think we don't have an epidemic. And you think we shouldn't talk about it. I have to talk about it. Because I want to rescue you from the grip of distraction and discouragement and disheartening. I don't want you to get trapped in sexual immorality such that you, do, you disqualify yourself and say, I can't. and I've just got too much shame. And no, you don't have too much shame. Listen to me. I'll stop right here and look you in the eye and tell you. There's hope for everybody in the room today. There's grace for everybody in the room today. God hasn't given up on you. Don't give up the fight. Say amen to that. You, it's hard to tell the difference between Christ-centered relationships and not Christ-centered relationships. They both have some of the same sexual characteristics. It ought not be this way. There ought to be a difference between believers and unbelievers. There ought to be a difference about the way we live our lives and the way the rest of the world lives their life. Is this okay? I know it's old-fashioned preaching. Is it all right to talk about holiness that, that some people ought to live? We, as believers, we ought to live our lives in such a way that is distinctively different from the world. That our lives shouldn't look like them. Our relationships shouldn't look like them. How we live shouldn't be like how they live. Our relationships have become more conformed to the world than we have the word of God. We got to change it. Where did we go wrong? Where did the church go wrong? What, what, what did we miss? And I, I honestly, I spent the last couple of weeks agonizing on, t tell me what I've missed. Tell me, I have counseled, I can't tell you how many marriages over the past five and a half years of this church that pornography, when, when we boil down what happens, there's pornography somewhere in, in, in the mix. That somewhere down the line, there's pornography there. And I said, God, what did we do? What's happened, Susan? Where, where do we go wrong? How can I, how can I help this? And I got to be honest with I really feel like God helped me to understand a little bit. And I'm not telling you I got the total picture, but let me peel back what I think. I think too often our ideas of sex and relationships are based on restraint instead of vision. Hang on. I said uh, most of our ideas about sex and sexual purity and relationships and, and what is based on what I can't do instead of a vision on what I will do. Okay, let me say it like this. You come to church and everybody hears, don't have sex. Don't date the idiot. Don't wear this. Don't do that. Don't date a guy unless he can quote Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John while he juggles Bibles. You know, like, like he's got to be perfect and she's got to be perfect. And if you're not, you're dumb and you've lost it and it's all over with. Are you with me, everybody? We base all of our theology about sex and sexual purity on what I can't do and restraint instead of putting a vision in front of you that said, here's what it can be. Here's how God's word does allow. Here's some opportunity for you. Here's the best life God has laid out for you. It's not based on vision. We base it on restraint. Restraint. Write this down. Here's what I know about you because it's true about me. That restraint without revelation will always lead you to rebellion. 
that if all you do is restrain yourself and say, well, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do this and I can't do that and we shouldn't do this and we shouldn't do that. I can't be involved. And you don't have any revelation, Jason, about it. It hadn't been vision put in you. You haven't had grace poured all over you. You don't, you don't see God's purpose in your life. You don't see the purpose of holiness to the Lord. You don't see the glory of God in your life. You don't see the revelation of God created me for a purpose and on purpose and I can't mess up that purpose. If you don't see that, it will eventually lead you to rebellion against the very thing you knew you were supposed to be restrained from. Restraint. And, and listen, I was raised like this. I was raised with southern preachers preaching against the STDs. You know, just don't do it. <laughs> it, was just, it was just no to everything. It was just don't do it and don't, don't try and don't, don't. It's, it, all of it's weird and all of it's bad and all of it's gross and all of it's terrible. And, but listen, here's the dirty little secret about especially young people, especially teenagers, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, millennials today. Forbidden fruit is always the fruit you want. You, have you ever raised kids and went, the moment I tell my kids... Hey, you can't have this. It's like an electromagnetic field drawing them to what I can't have. Why can't I have it? What's so good about it that you're trying to hide from me? Why is it, Daddy, that I can't do this? I, I, you, you, just try it. I'm, I'm not even telling my kids. Try it with your husband. Men are we're basically 14, all of us. Just try it. Just tell him, don't push this button. All day long, I'm gonna, don't push this button. I'm telling you, I, Brandy knows this, 22 years of marriage. If I figure out what it is that aggravates... It's hard for me, Susie. I mean, I want, to, I want to stay married and I want to stay sleeping in that same bed with that same woman. But occasionally, if I know what button to push, it's hard for me not to push the button. Oh, y'all not married like I am, huh? <laughs> Nobody else is wired like me. It's, it's, the, it's the what I can't do that I always want to do. So listen, if you only build your theology and doctrine of sexual purity and holiness on what I can't do, then you're always going to be tempted for the forbidden fruit. What if you received a divine destiny and revelation of God's plan for your life so that it voluntarily causes you to restrain yourself? Not because you told me I couldn't, but because I got a better life I'm saving myself for. I've decided God has destiny for me, purpose for me, plan for me. And because of that destiny, I'm going to voluntarily put some boundaries in my own life not because it's a sin but because I want the better life because I got vision for who God's called me to be the man of God I want to be the husband I want to be the wife you want to be the mother you want to be it's not because I can't it's because there's something better God's offering me say amen to that when you don't have any vision when you have no revelation of a destiny in your life then you abandon your post and you wreck your life and you become a slave to lust and lustful images and it dulls your spiritual strength and it destroys your witness and it strips away your confidence and you end up betraying your spouse and crushing your children and you trade everything you have for selfish lust not because you didn't know it was wrong but because you didn't have a revelation that God has purpose for me and God has better for me and I've got vision for my life and I want to be that person of God I want to be that kind of Christian and to be that kind of Christian I voluntarily put some boundaries in my life Say amen to that, everybody.
I've decided some stuff I can't do, not because it's wrong, but because I got bigger vision for my life. I got bigger vision for my relationship. We talked to all the married couples. I, we've decided to put boundaries in our marriage, not because they're wrong, but because I'm gonna, I got bigger vision for our Our marriage has to reach thousands. I got a mandate on my life to reach thousands. I got an anointing on my life to build a holy church to present it to the Lord. I got, I got to put some boundaries on my own life. If you're single in the room today, you can't be looking for Mr. Right while living like Mrs. Wrong. You got to put some You got to have vision of what the marriage you want to have in your life. You got to have vision of who you want to be. Let me talk to all the parents. The reason why we self that we have boundaries in our home. You ask my wife. There are movies. I promise you, there's probably nothing wrong with them. It, it's probably okay. It's probably not bad, Mike. It's probably not as bad. But we've decided. I want to raise a certain kind of child. I've got vision for Hazel and Henry. I know what I want them to do in the kingdom. I know by the time they're adults we're, if the Lord hadn't already come back we're going to be closer than we've ever been before and they need destiny and anointing and for them to be raised in a home where vision and destiny is poured into them there has to be some purity so I've decided to I put boundaries in our home that may not be for you but it's because of the vision I have for them so my, my parenting's different. My, my spousal relationship's different. Your, your dating has to be different. And if not, listen to me. It's the devil's plan to distract you and discourage you and get you disheartened so you'll give up. Are you still there today? Let me teach you about one of the greatest warriors. Let me teach you about one of the greatest warriors who falls into sexual temptation. Named King David. You know the story if you've been around the Bible very long. This is a man after God's own heart. This is a man who just, just verses about his life. Listen to this. Not verses he wrote. Just verses about him. There are 929 verses about King David. 920. He's a brilliant Gifted, anointed musician. He is a worshiper. He's a poet. He writes over half of the book of Psalms. He is a gifted, he's a warrior. He's become the king of all, of the king of the United Kingdom after this divided season in Israel's history. He's brought them back and he's, he, he's worshiping the one true God and he's, and he's this brilliant, gifted person who God loves and has a plan for, who has eternal destiny. He has purpose on his life. He's a man of God and 929 verses are about that but his whole life is summed up in three verses out of 929 there are three that you remember him the most for and he's remembered for his sexual sin and impurity 2nd Samuel 11 verse 1 says it like this in the spring at the time when kings go off to war. Underline that in your Bible. David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. And they destroyed Joab and the Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites, besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. 
Here's the three verses that define King David. That man after God's own heart. Mighty warrior. Destiny. Purpose. Fulfill. Everything that God had for him. So somebody that you want to be like. Somebody that we would raise our kids to say. You be like King David. You, you, you do what King David did. All these little Hebrew boys. I want to be like David. I want to have what David had. But in verse 2 it says. One evening. Did you catch this? One evening. David got up from his bed and walked around the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. This is early before you text your, your, your friend about, hey, what about that girl? Tell me about that girl. This is what he did. Hey, run over and see about that girl. Who is that? David sent someone to find out. And the man came back and said, that's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. And she came to him and he slept with her. And this mighty warrior, this man after God's own heart, this 929 verses about the virtues of his life, about the heart that he had, the destiny that was on him, the purpose of God for him, the anointing by the prophet Samuel, everything that he had lived through is summed up in three verses. He's alone, on the roof, he sees her, he goes and gets her, and he sleeps with her. And now this vicious, horrific downward spiral is the end of the story of the mighty King David. The King David that was supposed to build the temple of God, but he couldn't. The King David who was supposed to uh, uh, be this man after God's own heart, who had destiny, who had purpose. But this, all of his life is remembered in his sin, not in his conquest. And this cycle begins in his life of sin. And it's a horrific cycle. Bathsheba gets pregnant. Bathsheba loses that baby. And it begins this series of indescribable pain. All because of a few things about distraction. Write this down like, like that light does right there. Y'all think I don't time those things, do you? Write this down. I didn't put it on the, on the screen, but you need to write it down like this. David wasn't where he was supposed to be. David saw something he wasn't supposed to see. That led him to do something he wasn't supposed to do. And it cost a lot of people something they weren't supposed to lose. David was where he wasn't supposed to be. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He saw something he wasn't supposed to see. He did something he, he wasn't supposed to do, and it ended up costing a lot of people something they weren't supposed to lose. David wasn't where he was supposed to be. Israel was at war with the Ammonites, and the Bible opened up in, in, in Samuel, the Bible opened up in 2 Samuel 11 like this, that it was the springtime when kings go off to war. And the Bible said, but David stayed back in David stayed back in Jerusalem. 
David should have been in war. He should have been leading the charge against the enemy. But instead, David is disengaged from his mission. I wish I had time to preach this to you. David is disengaged from the mission of God in his life. Look at me. The the time you are most acceptable to an attack of the enemy is when you disengage from your mission. It is the number one time. Pastor, why are you always talking about people serving? Why are you always talking about the dream team? Why are you always talking about people getting a purpose and living out their purpose and making a difference? This is why. Because the moment you disengage from mission, the enemy, that is the prime time for attack. And David is supposed to be at war. It's springtime. He's supposed to be leading. He has a job to do. He has a mission to do. But instead he stays back and he gets distracted and he abandoned his mission. Do you know the most common day of the year that pornography sites are visited? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Day. Do you know the the most common day of the week that pornography sites are visited? Sunday. You know why? Because you're not where you're supposed to be. (laughs) You're losing the battle to lust because you're not engaged in the war. And I honestly believe, listen, I'm not here to cast this big, you know, the the whole world's going to hell. And there are preachers that say that. They're on Facebook. You don't give money to them. But anyway, you can find them. They're on there today. The whole world's going to hell. And Russia's doing this. And everybody's doing this. And oh, God. (laughs) And it's just doom and despair. And and, and everything's over with. And we're all, you need to buy supplies of food and put it in your house. If you do that, let me know because... In case it goes down, I need to know where to go. But anyway, they'll tell you. And they'll sell all that stuff to you. It's amazing. They always have something to sell. They'll they'll tell you all of that. I'm not here to tell you the whole world's going to hell and everybody's bad. and We've lost the battle. I'm not telling you that. But I am telling you this. We have raised an entire generation, maybe two generations, of people who don't engage in battle. They go to church and they sit back and they consume and feed me. And I like the kids' ministry here. I like the worship over here. If I could take your kids' ministry and that little spitting preacher and I could put this kind of person on the stage, I'd love that and then I'd love a little bit of this and I go there for Bible study and I, I'm, I'm preaching where y'all are. Y'all not preaching with me. I, I go here for women's ministry and I like the kids ministry over there but I like the men's ministry over here but I like the donuts they serve me over there and I love the coffee they got over there and I love that song and I love this thing. You weren't ever meant to be a consumer. You were meant to be at war. You were meant to be on mission. And we've raised a whole generation or maybe two of Christians who don't know you've got a mission to be involved in. You're sub- David, you're supposed to be out fighting, not taking. You're supposed to be at war. And we're disengaged. And we're distracted and we're vulnerable. Why? Let me give you two reasons. And I'll pray. Let me give you two things. When Christians are vulnerable, you are most vulnerable when, write this down, you are overly confident. David, watch this. Sean, watch this. David doesn't completely abandon the war, Aaron. He just abandons his post in the war. God, I wish I had 30 more minutes. When we move into that building, I'm having three-hour services. (laughs) Look at me. He didn't abandon the war. He abandoned his position in the war. 
Because the Bible said he sent Joab. Oh, somebody else would do all the praying. Oh, somebody else is serving. Oh, so, other people tithe. Other people give. Other people serve on the team. Other people are in small group. Oh, the church is doing fine. Oh, I don't, I, that's not my job. Oh, I'm not really called to do none of that. I'm not really called to any of that. And you get overly confident, and he sent Joab out to do it. Joab's got it. I don't need to go. You go serve. You go to prayer meeting. Worshiping is your thing. That's just, that little guy, his wife, man, they just, I love seeing him over just jumping around. That's cute, but I don't really worship like that. I don't really do that. I'm not that good. You go ahead and go to small group. I don't need small group. I've been in church a long time I don't need any of that And you get overly confident And David said They don't need me I'll send Joab And he didn't abandon the war He abandoned his post In the war 1 Corinthians Paul said If you think you're standing firm 1 Corinthians 10 and 12 Be careful That you don't fall If you think you're standing firm be careful that you don't. No, you got to know what triggers you. Don't get overly confident. If social media triggers you, it's not a law that you have to be on Instagram. It's not a law that you have to be on TikTok. It's not a law that you have to be on Facebook. You say, well, that's where business is done. No, it's not done there. I, it, how many of you follow Warren Buffett on TikTok? Exactly. Nobody. My brother's just out making money while you're watching dances doing this right on TikTok. Nobody cares about it. You don't have to be doing it. If it triggers you, you don't get overly confident. I can handle it. You may not can handle it. You can't play the computer when your family's asleep. It's not because your computer's evil. It's because you can't be controlled. You just got to be careful. You can't, I'm just, if you can't travel for business, I don't travel alone. When I travel and preach, I have the opportunity to do that. I don't travel alone. Why? Because I'm setting up guardrails around myself. I'm just deciding. There's a couple of, listen, if you get more vulnerable, I, I talked to somebody not long ago who said, when I go to business meeting, after a couple of drinks, I get more flirtation. Then don't have a couple of drinks on the meeting You just have to decide Where am I being overly confident If I'm scrolling through the, the, the channels In the motel room If I'm reading romance novels Women I'm coming after you If I'm reading that article in L magazine 15 different ways to please your man I'm just telling you If you can't handle it Don't be overly confident Because you are only as strong As you are honest about yourself is this okay preaching? No one may come back next week, Brandy. We need to be prepared for this. <laughs> Write it down like this. Why battle a temptation in the future when you have the power to eliminate it today? Why battle a temptation in the future when you can decide today to draw some boundaries in your life? I'm not going to look at that. We're not going to click on that. I'm not going to do this. I, I, I'm, I'm going to decide today. A Christian is vulnerable when you get overly confident. David sent Joab. You go do it. No. David, you got a mission to do. I want you to hear this today. Look up from your notes. Look at me in the eyes. If you don't hear anything else, don't, all that other screaming and spitting stuff, hear this. you got a mission. We need you on the front lines. We need you doing what God called you to do, Victoria. We need you doing what God called you to do. David, we need you doing what God called you to do. Mike, we need what God called you to do. Eric, I need what God... Madeline, I need the gift that God put on the inside of you. Sure, could Joab fight the Ammonites? He did. He defeated them handily, you'll notice. That's not the point. 
point is David was supposed to be fighting. Don't get overly confident. Here's the second place the Christians fall and then we'll pray. You get vulnerable when you feel entitled. Can I read into 2 Samuel a little bit, Stu? Will you let me do that? I'm the king. I, I got a lot of pressure, okay? I'm tired of fighting. Maybe Joab should take this one. King's going to lay here on the bed, okay? I'm going to get an extra nap. Nobody knows the pressure I'm under. I deserve this. I deserve my wife she, she, I need I deserve something a little I know I'm single but we're we not really hooking up we're just having a little fun we're not hurting anybody we just we're just having a little sleepover unless you're 8 years old it's not a sleepover sleepovers are for 8 year olds My husband's a jerk. I deserve this. My wife's not meeting my needs. I'm, I'm entitled to something. We're, listen, we're not having sex, Pastor. We just live together. You're going to let raging bulls sleep on the couch. Right? And you're going to tell me the devil doesn't use it for a distraction, the discouragement, a place to dishearten you. That's why you just got to decide. I'm, we're just never going to cross these lines. Well, it was really late. We'll get an Uber. Go home earlier. Well, this is hard preaching. Isn't that, isn't that just terrible? Who would tell somebody to go home early? What a meanie. Is, is it a sin to have a sleepover? No. It's just stupid. <laughs> Can I preach it? I won't preach it stupid because y'all, I'll use a spiritual word. Um, it's not a sin. It's a seed. Y'all like spiritual words like seed, don't you? Stupid seems a little... Okay. It's a seed. And the seed you're planting is you're giving a place for the enemy. I feel entitled. If dating and sex have become synonymous to you, if you're in a sexually active relationship right now and you're not married, if you're looking at pornography right now, look at me. Take a break. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not, here to, I'm not here to tell you you're an awful, rotten person. You're a person. You're a person like King David's a person. You're a person with normal emotions and normal feelings and normal desires. God put those in you, by the way. But you're a distracted person. And I'm trying to get you to draw some lines in your life. You can't believe the enemy that tells you it doesn't hurt anybody. Oh, it hurts. Just ask David. Ask Bathsheba lost her first child ask that family the fighting of Solomon I just ask just ask Solomon David's grandson ask about Absalom oh there's a whole family tree of dysfunction because of distraction entitlement you need to go to your calendar today and I'm asking you as your pastor if you, if you don't have any respect for anybody else you might not even respect me I'm just asking you to honor honestly 
You need to put an X on the calendar a year from today and decide, I'm not doing this anymore. Take a year. Take a break from the immorality you're in, the, the impurity you're in. Decide to give the next year to God. You need a whole year to renew your mind. You need a whole year for God to renew your heart. You need a year to reset how you think. If you've entered into a sexual relationship outside of the covenant of marriage, listen, you have fast-forwarded emotions that you were not meant to have yet. They haven't matured to their time yet. I got. Can I let you in a little secret? All the, uh, all the Christians here, all the non-Christians, all the heathens, look at me. Don't date Christians. If you're a, if you're a non-Christians, don't date a Christian unless you plan on becoming one. Because it's a trap. <laughs> They're going to try to convert you. <laughs> just go find yourself an honest pagan somewhere. You know what I mean? Just go find you. Just go find an honest pagan and date them. <laughs> but, don't, but don't. Just Christians won't accept you as they are. They want you to become Christian. And if they're sleeping with you, you're dating a hypocrite. You don't want to be a hypocrite. Pastor, this is hard. No, no, no. I'm just trying to guard you. I'm trying to get you on mission. So what do I do now? I'm glad you asked David said in Psalm 32. David said, I know what I've done. I know what it causes. And when I refuse to confess my sin, Psalm 32 and 3, when I, can, when I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. Put it back up. You already did. Put it back up. When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. And my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. David said, I know what it's like. The Bible said he spent one full year after he kills Bathsheba's husband Uriah. He spent one full year living in this sin. Before Nathan the prophet comes and points his long finger at him and says, you're the man. And he repents before God. One year. David said, most theologians believe this Psalm 32 was written in, that, in, in the course of that year. When David said, oh, I know what it's like to live miserable. You may be here today just holding back tears, feeling like, man, I know what this feels like. My strength's evaporated like water in the summer heat. What an illustration. You don't have to do that. You don't have to surrender to your lusts. You don't, have to, you don't have to give in. You don't have to make excuses. Come on, we're people of honor, everybody. We're people of purity. We're people of integrity. We're people of, of holiness. Come on, everybody. You are a champion and you can. And then in verse 5, he said it like this. I love this. He tells this whole story. I knew what it was like not to confess my sin, but in verse 5 he says, Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I'll confess my rebellion to the Lord. And listen to me. This is the best part of the whole message. And you forgave me. And all my guilt is gone. Bow your heads and let's pray. Father, I need that kind of time in my life. God, there have been seasons in my life when I've covered up. I refuse to confess. I've, I've struggled and not told anybody. I've, I've tried to hide. God, there's a lie from the enemy that said nobody gets hurt. That it's okay as long as I keep it between just, just me. and I mean, I know you see, but 
Somehow I think I'm getting away with it. I, I have lived my life where strength has evaporated like water in the summer heat. God, I pray today for warriors. I pray for people who are struggling today with purity and holiness. And I, I, I'm asking you, God, for confession. I'm asking you that they stop trying to hide their guilt, confess their rebellion. And God, you are faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. And all of our guilt can be gone. I pray that over every person in the room. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to do any of that. I am going to ask you to get honest with God. Honest with yourself about where you're at. I am going to ask you to open your heart before the Lord and ask Him, God, where are the areas of my life? Come on, where do I need to respond today? God, where are the areas of my life that I need the hand of God in my life? God, where, where are the areas? Holy Spirit, put, put your finger on that area in my life where I've gone too far, done too much, looked at things I shouldn't, clicking on things I shouldn't, chasing hashtags I shouldn't uh, chase down, uh, looking at the things I just shouldn't. God, where are the things in my life where I've let it go too far and I, I, I gotta, I'm, I'm done? I confess all of that to you. God, I need forgiveness in my life. I need mercy in my life. God, I need hope and healing in my life. God, I'm asking you for forgiveness. God, I pray against guilt and shame today. God, I, I, I pray shame off of every person in the room today. God, I pray for grace and compassion and mercy over every heart. Nobody's done too much, gone too far that you can't save. God, anybody who's willing to confess, you're faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. So I pray for that today. I pray for hope and help today. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.